apparently it was said that I've betrayed all women. Now, why that matters is... All women, Julie. All, all women, of them. Including you. Why that matters... <laughs> How dare you betray me? I, I need to apologise to you. I'm Kathleen Stock. And I'm Julie Bindle. And this is the Lesbian Project podcast. All the sapphic traffic for anyone who wants a bit more lesbian in their life. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Julie. How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, nice to see you. And nice to yeah, see you last see you. week as well on our jaunts. Yes, uh, we have seen each other in the flesh since we recorded our last podcast because we went to um, an event in Brighton run by Sister Salon, which is a uh, feminist group that runs female-only sessions, like consciousness-raising sessions, I think, and has meetings that are female-only. But Sister Salon were putting on this big uh, event open to all, including men, Um, and it was an interview between Hannah Barnes who wrote Time to Think which is a great book um, about the Tavistock JIDS scandal to do with kids and gender identity and what happened in the NHS here um, and is happening Um, and Helen Lewis who is a staff writer for The Atlantic I think isn't she Mm, she is so we went you invited me and I was very pleased to be invited so we just went along as punters and sat in the back and try not to cause any trouble. <laughs> Sat in the back, but not drinking. And the bar was just behind us. So that was ironic. Well, exactly. I was driving. Um, anyway, so, but we did manage to cause some trouble, didn't we? Even though we just sat down. Yeah. Uh, literally had just sat down in our seats. And, Minded our uh, own business. I mean, <laughs> obviously minding our own business. And part of the reason why I really wanted us both to go is because any feminist group that can put on an event in Brighton deserves mm-hmm. praise and recognition. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's so hostile to feminism and yet there are feminists there working against the grain and just deciding, no, feminism, um, you know, is a proud movement and we need to yeah. invite women to come and, and hear what we're talking about. And actually, um, I mean, neither Hannah Barnes nor Helen Lewis are kind of rabid radical feminist activists they're both journalists and Hannah Barnes's book you know as you said is excellent and it's scrutinized I mean it's a proper piece of investigative journalism Mm -hmm. that scrutinized the practices at the the gender clinics for kids but but yes so so there we were sitting at the back and a really great woman who you know we you know of and I had met before came up and asked if we could if she could have a photograph and at that moment a trans-identified male a man who has a trans identity uh came up behind us and said can I be in the photograph and so actually she took one uh the woman that you're talking about that I'd never met before but um was doing the twitter feed for this event took one of us just on our own that's and right. that's and she said can I put this on the twitter feed uh, and we said yeah all right and then um, I don't know. Am I, it was all happening. It all happened really fast. Literally, we yeah. had just sat down, um, come in from the cold, you know, got our seats. And actually, we'd been having a drink in the bar. But anyway, <laughs> minor detail. We just sat down and um, I'm not even sure that the trans person 
asked us if she, they could be in the photo. I can't remember, but basically, mm. we we knew that we were posing in a photo, yeah. and um, we did it, and it That's literally right. took a second. Um, you can't really say no. I mean, I like we got what we're coming to is that we got absolutely hell on on the internet for it, but from certain people. But um, I would like to see you. Yeah, you know, some of you are hardcore enough, possibly to say fuck off when somebody tries to see a photo with you but I don't have it in me I just sat down the room was full I just went mm, okay <laughs> you know go I have it. never once said no when that happens and what what has to be understood and many of you will appreciate this is that you and I and other feminists that have any kind of public profile get asked constantly can I have a selfie yeah. can I take a photograph and Sometimes it's a bit much if you're in the middle of something. Sometimes it's just really lovely that they've asked or everything mm -hmm. in between. And so this is a regular occurrence for me. It's a regular mm -hmm. occurrence for you. And I would, I didn't want to be rude and say, no, why should I? I mean, you know, it wasn't a serial killer standing behind us. And you know, it was someone it was... that I've debated with on various forums and also was in a programme that I was in, although we've never met before. And yeah, like you say, I just always say yes. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, and, and actually, this person so was what? in a yeah, and we the the three of us had been in this TV program. Um, and oh yeah, yeah, of course. You know, we're we're very you know kind of we're not we're nice women. And look, the thing <laughs> is that this isn't about be kind. This isn't about as they put it, all these new words that I know, larping, and and sucking up to. Men. Oh, we were cow cowering to men. That's APGs. What the it's Powering to men, as it has always been, somebody said. <laughs> so somebody said, obviously, they said things about you and they said things about me, mm. including she's never done a day's work for women in her life. Both of them are cowards. Both of them are complicit in gender ideology. I mean, the most yeah. laughable, but it went on. It's still going on now, on and on and on. And I didn't look for it but unfortunately there are some women well-meaning women who keep sending me things saying look oh, right. saying, please don't do that I've said, don't, don't 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 stop send sending it. us things that people say about us on the internet are you mad do you think we want to know what goes on in people's minds no but we you do know not. what you know what it, it brings to mind though Kathleen because obviously this is something that is just part of this kind of fractured so-called movement um what it is is that there are many, many people, and all of them have every right uh, to do this, that are massively, I won't use the word obsessed, but are very kind of preoccupied with the gender issue. And mm -hmm. it is a really important issue because it's a threat mm -hmm. to women's rights, etc., as we've said, but that aren't embedded or engaged in any other political movement whatsoever, any other strand of thought about the broader issues to do with feminism, to do with male violence. I mean, the, that many of them have quite deep-rooted hostility to the kind of ideas I personally have, I'm not speaking for you, but that I have about feminism. And I don't see us as being in the same quote-unquote gang. I see them as having every right to critique gender ideology from whatever position they wish. But don't drag me into your gang and tell me you're disappointed with me because <laughs> I then allow... Um, a bloke to have a photograph taken with us who happens to be trans-identified. Just don't. Yeah, in a room full of blokes. I mean, there were so many blokes there. Um, yes, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we're talking about a large number of people shouting at us on the internet, and some of them have different reasons. Some of them 
um, as you say, are single issue people, which is fine. I don't care. I don't go off of them. Um, I think they help quite often. But um, there's a purity spiral going on. It's just, you know, it's just psychological. It happens in every bit of the Internet. No upper limit to the, you know, <laughs> we don't really know what the goal is anymore. It's just... Um, except possibly eradicate trans people from every aspect of public life or something like that. That's not my goal. Mm -hmm. I'm That's sorry, right. everybody. Um, also, I mean, and, I was... and also they don't, sorry, just to finish, but they, they've, they don't believe in freedom of association. They don't believe in, you know, this was a, a open event. Like they want certain people to be actively excluded at the door. I mean, I'm not sure how that's even going to be legal. Um, in a public event you know they don't understand the equality act as far as I can see mm. so um, and they're very also they project so much crap onto you and me and to anyone who's at the at sort of high profile you know they think they know what what why we do things who we are what we, you know what we think we despise um, you know I'm always getting told that I must despise trans widows absolutely ridiculous mm. nonsense i get that um, as well actually a lot i've been accused of that yeah and it's constantly. like a very circuitous route like if you have your picture taken with this person then this must mean that you think this and if you think this then this must mean that you think this and that shows you have no respect for these people over here and you don't take them seriously and it's like what that's like eight moves you've gone through there and you haven't know. You've gone, you know you've got and really no idea yeah, and I mean, obviously, some of those those that are accusing us of hating or despising or not caring about trans widows, which obviously both of us do, are also hanging out with people that I see as a direct threat to women's rights. I mean, some right wing men, for example, but they make their choice. And some that's... are and some aren't. But yeah, but either way, they're just. Yeah, I mean, I but, agree but it's with not you, consistent. Just... It's not consistent. All I'm saying is that if they're going to make those eight moves, as you've just outlined, mm. that we have a photograph taken with a bloke um, who they have decided is an APG, autogynophiliac, and whether he is or not, I, I don't know. But then they really need to have a think about their own associations. And I'd really rather none of us had to do this. I yeah, really would. Totally agree. Guilt by association. So I wrote a thing. The ironic thing is I have also had historical arguments with some of the people running that salon <laughs> not all of them lots of, I mean I you know I think generally they're great people but some of them really got annoyed with me because I wrote a piece against guilt by association and then the this lot go crazy because we have a photo taken but basically guilt by association is the most stupid blunt tool you could possibly use and is destroying um political movements from the inside you can't stop associating with people you disagree with even fundamentally in a joined up society you just you know you've got to talk to them what really annoys me about this and what's really destructive it's not about personal insults and slights i mean it's irritating but it's mm. not actually primarily yeah, about that pay that much attention no i mean it's, it's it's irritating when it gets to a point where you're being sent so much stuff that is just laughable but it's <laughs> the way that you can have and let's remove it from you and me for the moment but say other feminists or other political organizers those that are actually challenging or critiquing um a dangerous movement for example that if they then put what is perceived as a foot wrong their entire body of work is discredited 
They mm. are LARPing, they are cowards, they are capitulators, they are betrayers of women. I mean, apparently it was said that I've betrayed all women. Now, why that matters is... All women, Julie. All, all women, of them. Including you. Why that matters... <laughs> How dare you betray me? I, I need to apologise to you. But, but why that matters is, that's exactly what, for the last 20 years, the trans activists have been yeah. saying about me and totally. many other women. They've discredited same, same all of book. my work. All of my work, yeah. everything that I've ever done, all of my unpaid activism, all of the achievements. And of course, this is the same for you. It's the same for anyone that comes under their radar, that they decide a photograph of a bloke who claims to be a woman and he's standing behind you. Aren't we bad people? Oh, dear God, let's move on. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I did just want to say one more thing, um, possibly ill-advisedly. But, um, you know, it's easy to talk uh shit on the internet isn't it mm. especially when you're anonymous and um i totally understand why people are anonymous on the internet especially in this area when you're absolutely terrified they're coming for your job um for your friend circle all of that i completely understand that and so this is not a general critique of anyone anonymous for being anonymous but one thing that does get to me is when someone anonymous is um pouring vitriol in my direction or your direction and telling us we should have been uh more extreme and more brave or whatever they would say brave i would say you know deranged <laughs> but um you know that like we should have been much bolder and i think you know you can't even put your own name <laughs> to your tweets <laughs> so here's me in my own name with my own reputation with my own you know i've i haven't even got an out on Twitter you know if you block me I can't see you because I can't be asked to go mm. and look um and I just think there's something inconsistent in that in itself that it's just easy when you're sitting in your bedroom and there's no consequences for you because no one's ever going to find out who this you know turf tastic xyz one two three account is no one's ever going to find out that you're it's you and you're telling us that we should have like turned around and like what ejected forcibly ejected this person mm -hmm. from the frame or even the building so right. anyway yeah well you know let them carry on being brave and we'll carry on being cowards. yeah we'll be cowardly and cowering to men <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna do that later on actually today are you a whole, a whole cowardly capitulation session um i'm going to be deprogrammed out of my feminism and into right. the school of cowardly capitulation so I can do it yeah. better. Do better, okay. Kathleen. Do better. <laughs> Sit down, read a book. Right, what well, else have we got going what on? What have we got? <laughs> um, well, we have a report coming out, actually, or, and by the time this goes um, on air, um, did you say on air for a podcast? Yeah. Um, we will... Drops. I think the parlance is when it drops. When this drops, man. Um we will the lesbian project that is the organization that you and me co-direct um we'll have a report on our website about the uk census so um the uk census as most people listening know or can guess it's a fact gathering exercise that happens oh god i can't remember once every decade or something like that mm. but um and it only just happened uh 2022 i think with the results coming out in 23 oh, that's god. right um, I think anyway, that's all right, yeah, yeah, and um, they were asking questions about sexual orientation and gender identity, and um, 
we have some critique, quite strong critique of the way the information about sexual orientation was gathered. So there's been a lot of focus in the press about that's quite critical of the way that the question about gender identity was asked. And the um, the most obvious problem with it is that it's borderline incomprehensible yes. um, to anyone that hasn't got a degree in Judith Butler studies. Um, and as it turned out, the highest number of supposed trans people um, in the country were in Newham in London, a borough in London, which has one of the highest rates of Im Im immigration and people who don't speak English as the first language. So there's some sus strong suspicion that people answered that their gender identity was not the same as their sex because they misunderstood what right. the hell they were being asked. So there's that problem. But there's also problems with the way that sexual orientation was asked about. And we really go into some detail about what we think these are, because we think it basically means that the data that is about lesbians is not robust um, in various ways. So if you're interested, please have a look. We'll put a link in our show notes and please go and look at our website and read this report, because I'm sure that this is like not just interesting if you're interested in the census and the census is a supposedly a source of information that then is used by lots and lots of other researchers so there's a problem there but it's also just indicative of the general problems that the whole research sector has with asking in a clear robust way about sexual orientation anymore given the way the lgbtq rainbow has um corrupted research processes basically exactly and it's you know why we set up the lesbian project isn't it in order to mm -hmm. clarify these issues and just go back to the basics you know well what is a lesbian um is is reliant on first defining what is a woman what is a yeah. female and so you know, a female be... yeah that's one problem and then there's also um the other problem which really annoys me or many there are a few other problems but one of them is that they ask you whether you are uh, gay or lesbian and then ideally you know you just cross reference reference that with whether you're male or female but there's all the problems with the male and the female um because that's legal sex not uh biological sex and then there's just a general worry that people were filling in um it wrongly anyway and then they put as alternatives to heterosexuality or homosexuality or bisexuality, they put asexuality as a category, and without wanting to go back to <laughs> our usual topic about asexuals, I Please, don't think let's. asexuality is a genuine alternative to being heterosexual or homosexuality. Um, you could be a asexual heterosexual, you can be an asexual homosexual or bisexual because asexuality is defined so broadly and is compatible with having sex it turns out <laughs> don't assume um, that the, don't assume that asexuals do not have sex do not assume that asexuals no no are aromantic don't, don't assume anything then right. they also have um pansexual i believe oh yeah uh as a as an alternative now mm -hmm. that's just bisexual i'm sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> pansexual is not sexual orientation um as in an orientation towards one of the or both of the sexes. Well, unless um, it's unless it's about shagging Ila Cruzier. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> all things to everyone, really. Who are we to judge? Um, who are we to judge? I think it's Le Cruzier. Is it not Le Cruzier? Oh, well, you know, you you 
You I are am a pansexual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else has been going on in the lesbian world this week? Quite a lot, as it turns out. Actually, can I just go back to the the pans? How do we pronounce it again? <laughs> Le I mean, nobody says Le Creuset. Right. Uh, Le Cru Le if you're English in the middle Cruze. class, you say Le Creuset. Right. Le Creuset. Do you remember a good few years ago that um, kerfuffle with Jeanette Winterson, the lesbian author, and Le Creuset? No. no. Tell me, because I'm what? gripped. Listen, everyone, viewers, listeners, start Googling Jeanette Winterson, who we love, by the way. Yeah, we do. And Le Creuset. Because it turns out, according to her and some expose in one of the newspapers, I don't remember which year, uh, that she had, in fact, put out to older, wealthier women for the price of a Le Creuset set. Really? Are you sure of this? Because we're not going to get I sued. I really am, honestly. I swear to God, by the time this episode drops, you will have Googled. Yeah, and your we will eyes... have checked it out with the lawyers. <laughs> no, no, it was. It was It was quite, it was a hoot. So she was gay for pan no no she's gay anyway she, she was pan she gay was pan oh dear i don't know what to make of this she was pan romantic she was pan amorous <laughs> yeah, she was she really she was, was pan amorous <laughs> she was pan amorous because she was yeah i mean she would get these gifts of la cruze um from these women who had more money than her i'm telling would you, you would you be tempted for um, a really nice, like, I don't know, I really like their, I like the orange ones, I like the blue ones, but what, you know, how how, how, how far would, I go? would it be? How if I, yeah, for what okay. kind of, is your upper limit of Le Creuset? Okay, so look, for me, um, any romantic liaison, um, which the benefits of which would be um, pots and pans, would have to be a full set, and by which I mean a full set of the blue variety. Oh, okay. Because all nice, I've had, nice. yeah, well, the only one that I've actually got, and I've had it for about 20 years, is a big orange casserole or soup thing that's massive. And I dropped it once on the floor and the the lid, the, um, no, not the lid, the thing that you pick the lid up with. Oh dear, I'm not very oh, articulate. I don't know what that, broke. the handle? The handle! <laughs> the handle! <laughs> I thought there was some sort of technical extra element that you, you could do in the cruise. I've I've had yeah. I've had a very tiring weekend. Anyway, the handle broke in too. So I've got an imperfect single Le Creuset. And the other thing is that I bought what I thought were two Le Creuset casserole, uh, no baking um mm, dear God help me out. Sheets. Um, no baking things sheets. things that you bake things in in the oven but not casserole dishes. <laughs> Roasting tins? The square things, but obviously they're Oh, not that, like things. a lasagna dish type thing. Lasagna dishes. And they came back and they could not feed a mouse. They are oh. tiny and they were really expensive. So yeah, quite frankly, I'm open to any kind of romantic liaison with anyone out there that wants to get me a whole set of Le Creuset Full in blue. Full set, nothing Full less. Full set. Full set. Okay. All right. Right, well, we'll just leave that and see what happens we'll let you all, let you all know <laughs> basically you can just see by the pile of Le Creuset stacking next up next to Julie next week <laughs> <laughs> please I hope so or it'll look really humiliating for me what other <laughs> leatherization have we noticed for this episode well um in the New York Times um a few days ago there was a article that caused a big kerfuffle and it was 
basically now what was it called i know it was the effect was queering, queering taylor swift swift but is that exactly the title of the article i'm just checking oh it's called look what we made taylor swift do that's a reference i think to her and one of her songs but um so basically this new york times editor um who doesn't write for them very often but has apparently done another article on um harry styles queering harry styles which isn't difficult honestly um and now they're this person, woman, I think, is saying that Taylor Swift is is um, in the closet, that there's loads and loads of evidence of this scattered throughout her work, that it's still really hard in the country and Western music industry to come out as a lesbian, which possibly is true. I'm sure it's harder to come out as a gay man. But um, it, anyway, treating Taylor Swift as if she's just a sort of, another just another country star um who doesn't have the power to like I think change national economies when she comes to visit with her concerts mm-hmm. these days so she's got enormous clout and uh she's only ever gone out with men in public she's only ever said that she's interested in men in public but nonetheless there's this big long long article explaining how really she's queer yes so, as is what everyone do you else okay well in one in one way, I neither know nor care. In another way, I do, because obviously, if, and I am not convinced by anything in this article, none of the 360 degree turnarounds of arguments that we've read, I'm not convinced mm. by any of it. I don't know what on earth the point of it is. But if she were a lesbian, for example, and if she were all bisexual, and if she were hiding that because she... um is ashamed or because she thinks it's not important to come out and stand up and be counted in case her career suffers, then clearly, I mean, obviously, because anyone that knows my views on this will know that I would be critical and disappointed, let's say. But what I also think is that what does queering mean? Everything's queer. The cruise is queer, right? As we've just established. None of it makes any sense. And I saw this um, this paragraph, but in recent years, a steady drip of now out stars, and that includes Colton Haynes, Elliot Page, Kristen Stewart, Raven Simone, and Sam Smith among them, have disclosed that they had been encouraged to suppress their queerness in order to market products or remain bankable. Well, quite frankly, I'd like some of them to just stay in the closet, but... Um, <laughs> What is it supposed to tell us? Because this has been the case forever. One would hope, of course, that things had got better, and it definitely has, because there are now more out gay men and lesbians. There's no two ways about that. But what the article seems to be doing is is pointing the finger at Taylor Swift because the writer considers her to be queer, which can mean literally that she um, Mm. has a blue fringe and once kissed a girl. And this other paragraph, um, he writes, in 2019, she was set to release a new album, Lover, the first since she left Big Machine Records, her old Nashville-based label, which she since said limited her creative freedom. The aesthetic of what would be known as the Lover era, he writes, emerged as rainbows. Oh, sorry, she... Have I just misgendered that? I think you did, yeah. Yeah, so she wrote... um, The Lover era emerged as rainbows, butterflies and pastel shades of blue, purple and pink. Colours that subtly evoke the bisexual 
pride flag. Right. Rainbows and butterflies. Two things here. First of all, why have the bisexuals got their own flag? Have the lesbians? <laughs> don't, right? don't go And there. secondly, and secondly, so what? I mean, every single artist with a little bit of queer aesthetic has got rainbows and all of this glitter stuff. Oh yeah. It's what what did, what did you it's make called... of it? What did you think? Well, I thought um the the evidence was completely underwhelming because mm. nearly every like you just said, nearly every artist these days does something which is I believe colloquially known as queer baiting, which is for commercial purposes you act a bit edgy and ambiguous. And um, you, you know Taylor Swift wants to get the gay men. Um, why wouldn't Kylie does it too? You know why don't why wouldn't you um, amp up your rainbows and your whatever? Yeah, um, yeah. Your camp your camp factor occasionally. Um, and she wants she wants as many markets as possible, and that and her record company want as many markets as possible. And there's nothing wrong with this. Is precisely what shows how. Um, disingenuous the article is because it's actually marketable to mm. to suggest that you're queer these days because mm -hmm. queer is so meaningless and it just really it just means a bit edgy a bit cool a bit like ambiguous um now if this if this journalist had been saying she's a lesbian she's exclusively same-sex attracted to uh, and she is frightened of coming out as a lesbian yes. i would understand that but the people she has to fear most from are the types of people that wrote that bloody article as in Neat. you know um absolutely up to their eyes in uh lgbtq plus rainbow washing of everything right. etc and also very um very dismissive and disappointed in uh, people like us who want to just say well we're only attracted to females and we want and we don't accept men as lesbians that's right so and I want to, I want Taylor Swift to know that if she ever does come out as a lesbian, we would love her to join my over <laughs> as a patron on the lesbian project and be yeah. a guest on this podcast. Yeah, we would, but um, I don't think that's going to happen. We shouldn't hold our breath. Mm. Um, the other thing is um that it was just so miserable. The, the just it? the writing and the tone, and I just when I read things like that, quite often. I feel like um, the real emotional undertone of it, never mind what the words are saying, the words are just nonsense, but the, really it's saying, look, we're still victimised. We're still victimised. It's so difficult for us to be who we really are. Mm -hmm. And in parts of America, I think that's true. I just don't believe that it's really hard for Taylor Swift mm. to be, if if she was gay, um, if she was like a little bit attracted to females or whatever, it wouldn't exactly. be that difficult for her to say so. Exactly. Um, when it was really difficult was the 80s or earlier when like Culture Club was coming out or Bronski Beat was coming out and, and people were absolutely disgusted. <laughs> Joan Armatrading. You Joan Armatrading and, and and others that were just pilloried and mocked. Mm -hmm. A horrible, horrible time. But as we said last week when we were talking to Maria, they didn't act victimised. They didn't fetishise the fact that everybody was like... um being openly a homophobic mm. or lots of people were they didn't like get off on that as some kind of like facet of their identity but all of that has just been like I think um turned into a, a a story that like people really like kind of on some level feel attracted to you know they want to be um in a world where it's really difficult for them to be who they are ignoring well, the fact that it's actually quite easy and no one gives a shit 
exactly. And I mean, listen to this breathless histrionic um, paragraph in this ridiculous article. <laughs> she writes, the first time I viewed Lover through the prism of queerness, I felt delirious, almost insane. I kept wondering <laughs> whether what I was perceiving in her work was truly there or if it was merely a mirage born of earnest projection. <laughs> well, mm, earnest is the right word there. <laughs> what is a prism of queerness? Is it like a kaleidoscope like the kids have that you turn around like this? I don't know, but one thing's for sure. If ever we form a rock band, it should be called a prism, prism of queerness. Prism of queerness. <laughs> Actually, talking of rock bands, we didn't actually plan to talk about this, but I also just want to mention that I found out this week somebody I know told me actually at the at the Barnes and Lewis event that Judith Butler gave an interview a few months ago where she said that um me the Vatican um Putin and JK Rowling <laughs> were uh, the face of the anti-gender movement um and she's got some quote about how Kathleen Stock's not going to be completely the same as the Vatican so Oh. Um, it's a complex oh. picture, but you know, yeah. So you heard it here first. I'm not exactly the same as the Vatican or Putin. What about Putin? Putin. Do you like? Do you oh like well, I Putin? am exactly the same as Putin, obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love Putin. Who doesn't? Well, I mean, obviously, I've got his poster on my wall. The one where he's on the horse with the naked <laughs> chest. And <laughs> yeah, no, that I that, now I see that through the prism of queerness. I have to say, <laughs> I think that probably he did too. Well, Mazeltov, Kath, uh, thank you. Because you. and also, obviously, my primary feeling is that of bitter jealousy. Envy. I'm not on I that know. List. I know. I'm sorry. All this hassle I've had all over the years, and you get put in with the Vatican. Not Bumped me. up to Putin level <laughs> uh, evilness. Excellent. Although it's it's love. It's actually lovely company to be in with our dear friend Joe Rowling. And yes. um, yeah, just just We're happy with that one. Just very briefly to say, and it really is going to be a brief mention that there is an unhinged article about her in the new statesman that came out today about mm -hmm. how her yes about how her writing has become so vicious nasty and evil that you can only really conclude that this is because that's the person that she has become it is bonkers wow. in the extreme but who wrote it um oh some tool i don't know i i can't remember the byline but i just i read it just absolutely I was on the bus early this morning where I was just thinking is this am I still asleep am I delirious the new I mean I don't I my feeling with articles like that which let's say let's it's just like the New York Times one they're completely generic like they've been written thousands of times and they always have the same underlying kind of whiny um but her kind of tone although i haven't read this one so i should probably go it, but really you know, get over your mummy issues people she's not you know she's not in your pocket she's not gonna she's she's an independent woman who th has her own mind how is this so difficult it honestly for to accept it's total batshit but look we've got too much to talk about i know to, to I hover know. around the new statesman what's well, next you started what it, we but anyway okay. well we've got sandy toxvig um Ooh. so Sandy Toxvig was in the Times this week because she gave a talk at the Cambridge Union um, saying, so Sandy Toxvig, for any people overseas that don't know who she is, she's a um, comedian and broadcaster. She's uh, been around for decades in the sort of Radio 4, BBC Two, 
Um, although that had that kind of cultural space, although I think she started on Tiz Was, um, which is a kids TV show on Saturday mornings that I used to watch when I was a kid. But um, she's, what is she? She's Cambridge educated, I think. She's half Danish. She's a lesbian. Um, and she calls herself gay, doesn't she? She, well, she's, she's got. A, does she? Uh, I know. Yeah. Actually, I think she's. She. I, I was looking up before we did this, and I think there's times where she said, "I'm. A, I'm still a lesbian." Okay. Okay. But she. Um. She's. I'm trying to say she's a lovey. Basically, she's, she's a lovey. She's in the sort of Stephen Fry space of like honorary gays that people <clears throat> act like they're national institutions and. She also started the Women's Equality Party. She was one of the founders, which was about 10 years ago, was it? And it was which supposed is, to... yeah, more like it was... performance art than politics. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, it has become that way. Um, it started off, I think, with good intentions to be a political party that represented women's interests generally. Yes. But then, of course, almost immediately got embroiled in what a woman was and ended up on, as far as we're concerned, the wrong side of that question. So... I think they lost their political opportunity when people realised they couldn't identify what a woman was. Indeed. But, uh, um, so the point is, Toxvig, who has made some really irritating comments uh, in the recent past about how um, the the supposed transphobia amongst gender-critical feminists makes her weep, and that's a quotation, because obviously she's a lovey, so everything makes her weep. Um, <laughs> and it's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> Makes me weep. I wrote about that, um, people. If you want to have a look, I did an oh, article did on it. I was so cross about it. Um, and why, you know, she said something like, um, I've faced exclusion all my life, so why would I want to be exclusionary of other lesbians? Yawn. You know, that's, they're not lesbians, somebody. Right. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to make a conceptual distinction. You're not hurting anybody. But, um... Anyway, now she's in the papers saying that she gets death threats all the time, or at least regularly, for being a lesbian. Mm. I have um, a few things. I have a few notes. Right. Well, give us your give us your your take. So this is going to possibly annoy people, and others may well agree, but that's what we're here for. So <laughs> she uh, married um, her wife in two thousand and fourteen, as it became. Um, possible to do legally in England and Wales and Sandy says when we got married I had to have a close protection police officer behind beside me the death threats began she said in 1994 after she publicly announced she was in a relationship with a woman okay so let's unpick this now I'm not saying at all and would never dream of it that she hasn't had death threats if she's saying she has right I'm going to just take her word for that because mm -hmm. I've certainly had plenty of death threats and I know that you have. So mm -hmm. these are not unusual, certainly not in the world of social media, although in 1994, they were likely to be in purple felt tip pen in an envelope that, you know, posted yeah. to her agent. She's not on social media as well. So I think, I don't know how they're getting them to her, but it's not through Twitter. So my, yeah. my take on this, and I'm going to be ultra cynical and come in for a load of flack, fair enough is that I don't believe that she gets death threats because she has married her partner. I don't believe that today, currently, she gets death threats for being a lesbian unless she actually was down um, the kind of, I don't know, unless she was in a particular, unless she went to a party hosted by the Taliban. 
I quite frankly do not believe it because the death threats that I know women get are for being women from bonkers men who are nevertheless a genuine and direct threat that happens mm -hmm. but as an out lesbian and as and I know many out lesbians who are way more famous than I could imagine being mm. and who have got really high profiles um this they get anti-lesbian bigotry on occasion they get the odd comment which is unpleasant uh, they get that there's an assumption sometimes that they're heterosexual which again can feel offensive but death threats for being a lesbian today within a lovey context yeah I think what I think is most likely is that if you're on telly, as she often is, um, you probably just get deranged a load talkers. of shit, deranged cranks. Exactly. Um, who fixate on you. But, you know, it's not necessarily indicative of a deeper wave of um, like we're just saying, you know, it's not it, things have definitely got better. <laughs> And unless you're in a community where it's hard to come out, or like you said, you know, there's obviously going to be pockets of genuine um, homophobia, but um, mm -hmm. of, the, of the kind that produces death threats. But I think generally it's probably like if you ask any female presenter mm -hmm. on telly, whether they get nut jobs um, yes. obsessing on them and, and maybe threatening them, then I think they probably all say yes. So I think at least the cause is probably, I don't, I'm not sure I'd agree with you that I just don't, you know, I'm not sure I share your your degree of scepticism, but I think the cause is probably a bit underdetermined. Well, I agree with all of that, but I'm going to go even further. And I'm going Oof. to say that I think there was quite a bit of hoo-ha over those outrageously offensive um, comments that she made about feminists and lesbians mm -hmm. who say that we don't want to involve penises in our dating pool or in our single sex spaces. She was grossly offensive. And betrayed women and betrayed lesbians. And that is what I wrote. And that is what I will say. And that is what I am saying. Yeah. And I think, quite frankly, I believe about the death threats. I'm sorry about that because I know what that feels like. I think it's deranged stalkers. And I think it suits her agenda to say it's because she's a lesbian. So she can get cultural cachet from that mm. and justify outrageous remarks that has quite frankly turned a lot of lesbians against her yeah what I don't get is the lack of joined up thinking like if you really thought the other thing I'm a little bit skeptical like you is about the wedding I should say because like you can have your wedding not tell you can just invite close family friends and yeah. families and friends and have it in a small church and or you can make a big event of it if you're going to make a big event of it you might need security Lesbian weddings are just so appalling, quite frankly, that, um, <laughs> that... <laughs> they'd need a protection officer from me. I mean, for what? The food, the music, the speeches. Oh, my God, I've only been to one full-on wedding, lesbian wedding. It was Well, in... you're tarring quite a lot of things with the same brush if you've only been to one. And who well, is this poor couple who's ruined the entire genre for you anyway Catherine, get... uh, Kathleen I have to say that they have since divorced anyway come on let's move yeah on. and let's do lesbian weddings later at okay. another event but what I was going to say is the lack of joint joined up thinking here um from Toxvig because um if she really believes that there is so much rampant lesbophobia out there that you know two women can't even get married without like um some nut job trying to stop it and that a she's constantly officer. being targeted um, because she's married to a woman and she's, this is so offensive in the day and age, then why on earth doesn't she think 
that it's plausible that a lesbophobic society such to the extent that she thinks we have might not find ways to torment lesbians in other ways like by gaslighting them into saying that like blokes in dresses are lesbians too i completely agree and <laughs> i really want i'd love the likes of sandy and others that have thrown us down the river over this issue to consider what it feels like for all of us that have these death threats from men's rights activists from trans activists all the same kind of group obviously and maybe open our hearts and be a bit more compassionate rather than slating us and adding fuel. Be kind, to the already Sandy. You're raging... telling her to be kind. Sandy, don't do that. she'll she'll start weeping again. Don't don't be kind to Sandy because we know that that isn't going to do any good for us. What we need is for you, you and other women, to stop actually virtue signalling um, on our backs. It doesn't feel nice. Okay, have you so... watched anything good on the telly lately, Kathleen? Have let's, I let's watched get... anything good on the telly? Um, last night I watched Anatomy of a Fool. Ah, um, now what did you think of that? Palm door can obviously I pronounce that all in the English way. Um, <laughs> twenty twenty three Palm door winner again. Um, what did I think? Have you seen it? I have. I before was... um, I thought it was very slow. It is slow. It's very long, um, but it's also very well done. Quite an old-fashioned film, really. Really surprising they got top slot because it's based on character relationships. There's nothing fancy about it. The performances are incredible, and um, it's like a courtroom drama, basically, but focusing on a particular relationship or family. That's um, so. Yeah, I recommend that. What about you? Well, you know, I'm hoping to be able to tune in to the very first um, Gaelic lesbian storyline ah. in a soap opera. I right. mean, I've, this... I've heard about it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it because um, although I think we could probably. So this is on BBC Alba, which is a Gaelic um, speaking Scottish Gaelic speaking channel on the BBC. I think you can get it um, online for free if you've got a if you're a licensed player you can um they haven't started it yet but so it's uh what's the name of the what's it program called? what's the name of the program it's Damn, in gaelic my... so i can't i don't know you're scottish come on you should know this yeah well i did in preparation for this um i did look up what the le word in gaelic for lesbian is Ooh. it is, is. oh shit yeah there is one it's Liesbach, Liesbach, okay. I think. Right. Um, okay, so I've got got the story. A Scottish soap opera is about to feature a gay storyline between women in the Western Isles, the first on Gaelic television, and it's Anne Clawmore. But I'm obviously mispronouncing that because there's got you've got um, accents on the O and the on the O's. It's subtitled, isn't it? Yeah, it's subtitles. Um, and they, so what they're going to do is have a three-way love affair between three women working in the Hebridean Harris Tweed industry. Isn't this the best thing ever? Right? <laughs> it's I mean, quite good. Really perfect. A three-way love affair. <laughs> Harris Tweed. Working in the Harris, Harris Tweed. Tweed. I mean, look, uh, come on. I hope if... some of them get some tweed on uh, in the course of this love affair. Get your tweed on. Because, I mean, <laughs> we know that 
is such a signifier. No wonder they're lezering it up, these three women, if they're working mm. amongst Harry's tweed. <laughs> it's probably contagious. Have you been to Harris? <laughs> I have. It's lovely. It's I haven't. Gorgeous. And I've heard it has, but let's get back to Lezarin. Never mind you. Sorry. <laughs> you know how beautiful it is there. Who cares? We can't go well, on. Well, all right. So, um, so do you think it's a good thing that they have, the Western Isles are introduced to three-way love affairs? But, I mean, I suppose they don't mean polyamory. No. It's not a three-way as no. in a polycule. Um, no, that would be no, a bit no. much for the, the Western Isles, perhaps. But... um. I'm not sure. I don't know what I think, because like I'm pretty sure, although it used to be the case that the Western Isles was incredibly strict uh, religiously, um, they used to famously tie up the swings on a Sunday um, so no one could, no kids could have a play there. Um, but I think it's pretty much modernised. For a start, I get the feeling the Hebrides are absolutely chock full of like people who have moved up from London who are... Mm. Um, who are you know writing articles for the Guardian on their laptop? So I'm sure they're all in polycules already. I think you're probably right, but I mean, what what I do know about lesbian characters in soap operas comes from a woman, an old friend from way way back, who wrote a few episodes for EastEnders, mm -hmm. and she explained about why you couldn't have that many lesbian characters in soap operas because soap why operas is that? are well because soap operas are primarily not all about but primarily about falling in love having a massive uh you know romantic and sexual affair and then breaking up because somebody else comes along and breaks you up because there has to mm. be a third person so this isn't polyamory from what i can understand in the gaelic storyline it's obviously mm. two women are in love one of them's torn because she also loves the other one the other one comes and splits them up yada yada we've all been there and many of you listening to this will have been too and so Janet, the scriptwriter, said that you couldn't actually keep having lesbians in the likes of EastEnders because it, they would all have to be converted to lesbianism because they don't all just move in from elsewhere to EastEnders. You've got the, you've got one of them who turns up, one of them then is it falls in love with her and turns lesser, and then somebody else has got to be a lesbian to move in and break them up. And so and we only know, oh, I see. And we only know that that person, the person who's breaking them up is a lesbian because they've got yes. a lesbian yes. wife or something. So that's four lesbians that's... in the soap opera. And that's way too many. Breeding like rabbits, for God's sake. But I have to you say. Could, you could do a heterosexual couple who gets broken up by a lesbian. And that would be like, you'd only need one. And then potentially two. You could. But look, I mean, the thing about the, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you about, um, you know the the outer Hebrides and how it it's not as it used to be and how things have moved on but I think it's still pretty bad for women and in my view mm -hmm. um, lesbians are a barometer when we're looking at how women in general are treated the worse women are treated the worse lesbians are treated and vice mm. versa and so I mean if you look at the fact that the Western Isles has been the only all-male council in Scotland and possibly the UK for for years on end and still that, is it yeah, still, still like I think right, it's still okay. like that. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong and things have changed in the past year or so. But, you mm. know, vi violence against women is a big problem, as it is everywhere. I'm not suggesting that it's worse in the Outer Hebrides, but it's it's pretty grim. Attitudes to women are not, let's say, as advanced uh, as yeah. they could be. So I think it's it's pretty good, I think, that people will get to see that not all women are in these traditional heterosexual relationships. 
with men who require okay. them to have their tea on the table at five o'clock every day. Let's see. Let's well, keep an eye on it. Well, that's a thumbs up from us then. And yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have now a kind of very odd piece that I saw in, first of all, the Jewish Chronicle last week, and then it's been picked up by the Times today about um, a Jewish sperm donor who yeah. has spoken out and making allegations of anti-Semitism towards a lesbian couple who was about to become a sperm donor father for their child, um, but he's been dropped. Now, Jay, the sperm donor, um, who's a married gay hairdresser from Perth, and he looks very handsome, I have to say. The picture of him is quite a buff bloke. Um, he connected with these two women, um, the Queenslanders, after deciding that he would help them have a child. Um, he went through months of medical tests. He went through mm -hmm. counselling. And this is the bit we like, isn't it? He mm -hmm. embarked on a strict fitness routine and diet to improve the quality of his sperm how does i don't understand how does going to the gym improve quality of sperm i mean i don't know much well, about sperm help me out here i don't if you're on the exercise bike i don't think it does to be honest so <laughs> hopefully he'd and also if you take steroids i'm sure he wasn't taking any of those but um yeah i don't really know um i just like that admire the dedication um of the gay man uh so unlike the heterosexual men that I've known that I tried. Well, I mean, white. <laughs> Girlfriend's knocked up. Well, but he's been dumped though, Kathleen. He was dumped Yeah, text message. He's been dumped um, by these two lesbians who, and he seemed to have a relationship with them already um, because they no longer want to use his sperm to make a baby because um, he had posted some pro-Israeli stuff on social media they've they've given a a classically lesbian well i don't know about lesbian actually maybe, a classic modern is. modern day queer couple i think yeah well they've they've so do you want to use you do you want to like quote them on how they got how they shafted him they <laughs> said they said that um they were both about kindness and love and thanked him for being quote absolutely amazing throughout mm. this entire journey, but they said they no longer wanted to use his sperm to make a baby, concluding that they, quote, don't have the capacity to navigate parts of your identity in this donor relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Um, he is left reeling. He pointed out he knew they were Jewish. He Sorry, they knew he was Jewish from the start. And said they'd been clearly offended by some of the pro-Israel messages he'd posted on social media. And he's he's saying it's prejudice. Um, what, so what do you think about this? Okay, so regardless of we, what we take from the current atrocities in the Middle East, regardless of any position that any of us might take, um, it to me is clear anti-Semitism because he is part of the Jewish diaspora. Um, he has no stake um, in the Israeli state, as far as I can see, or the current war. And that what they're doing is they're excluding him. And this is this is additional to what I perceive as anti-Semitism. They're excluding him 
because of his beliefs. It's oh, sperm, for God's sake. I disagree. <laughs> Go on, can I disagree with you? Yeah, of course you can. Well, the thing we don't know is what kind of relationship they were going to have in the future. Um, were they planning on him being an active participant in the child's life? And I think, for me, that's the best way to do it, which will probably also be a controversial thing to say, but I think, that, you know, if possible, when you know the sperm donor, you should... Um, let the child know the sperm donor who's their biological father because there's all sorts of benefits to them knowing that um, so leaving that aside whether you're not you agree with me about that if that was the arrangement then again like if you can just sort of stand if you could, it's possible to stand aside from the huge intractable um, awfulness of what's going on in the, in um, Palestine and Israel at the moment um it's a matter of why wouldn't you want a donor that is roughly on the same page in terms of deep-seated beliefs because you're going to have to keep meeting them like for the rest of your life probably um and if you're ideologically very different like it could be vegans versus meat eaters it doesn't have you know then it's going to cause problems so you want somebody who's who you can stand to see regularly um so i don't think it's it's automatically anti-semitism if that's if that's the root of the problem. So I read it as sperm donor as opposed to co-parenting, which is why I assumed mm. that he was going to give them a jar, um, a sterile jar with, you know, some of his stuff in it and uh, wish them the best. Okay. So yeah, okay. Take your so point. maybe I should take two different scenarios. Now, if it's just he's handing over the spa sperm um, and they're never going to have any contact again and they're not going to tell the child who the father was um then yeah it looks pointless but hang on a minute uh first of all i agree with you that even if you have someone who is a sperm donor rather than a co-parent i very very strongly agree that that child should know his or her origins that mm. they should have access to that information as soon as they're able to understand it um and i'm very very passionately you know opposed to any of this pretense that you don't have a father it was just a sperm donor right mm, so okay. that that is for me straightforward the second issue um is that okay i take your point about having any kind of contact with this person further down the line but hang on a second so because he might take a different view of the atrocities that's happening in the middle east that you couldn't possibly introduce a child to him. What about all of these fathers that end up joining the Scientology movement or end up being <laughs> violent and end up oh, being... But the that's, after the, but, that's after the know, fact. That's after the fact. You're this, stuck with them by that point. But this but strikes this me... A... Sorry, sorry, Kathleen, I didn't mean to interrupt. This is, look, I suppose what winds me up about big fertility, about the kind of, you know... The, the way that now fertility is being seen as either commercialized or almost bordering on eugenics where they're looking at sperm donors and everything mm. about them, their backstory, their mental ill health, the mental health of their family members, you mm. know, the height. The, I mean, everything about it gives me the creeps. And mm. obviously, if you were looking for a father for your child, you wouldn't want someone that, you know, was the kind of most um, unsuitable person 
on the planet and I'm not even going to list those unsuitabilities we all know just please don't but but, you know we when obviously when heterosexual women you know seek out a a, you know a a partner and want to have children with them they will consider what kind of a father he will make and what kind of baby they'll make together so I get that but this I think is bordering this this is just something beyond that where it makes me feel deeply uncomfortable and I think if they wouldn't want their child further down the line to talk to a man who was their father because he supported a different side of the argument albeit an extremely important argument based on life Mm. and death that I just think that that's outrageous well I'm sort of swithering a bit now because I, I agree with you actually but that's because personally I wouldn't act like that but I do in theory understand how certain things can be so important to you like ideologically and I don't mean anti-semitism I mean um you know you could really really be committed to thinking having a particular view on the Palestinian conflict and thinking that I just couldn't go on with somebody who disagreed with me about that and that's not necessarily to say that view shouldn't be in the public arena or you couldn't even be friends with someone with that view but it's a very particular relationship if you're in someone's life Mm. And, and you'll share a, you not share a child but you know you, they have some relationship to your child they don't even have to be a co-parent just like meeting them every now and again right. no I think that's but right but I... I agree with you I just want to say I agree with you about um the way that because um increasingly women are not having babies through the traditional you know you meet a bloke you fall in love you get knocked up thing but instead are like, well, I want the baby. So now the baby's the main main driver. And now I need to find the man that fits the specification for what I want for That's the right. perfect baby, which is all sort of asked backwards yeah. relative to the norm. Um, and then get more and more finicky because the technology allows you to, you know, um, mm. you can find out all sorts of things mm. about men. And I'm just wondering when this is going to hit heterosexual women properly, like where the more information that is out there about the man genetically, um the more likely it is I think that women can get very choosy you might even fall in love with someone then find out like oh no they've got schizophrenia four generations back whatever um I think that is already happening and I would love at some stage further down the line to have a conversation about these issues about surrogacy and about all kind of related mm -hmm. issues Mm because it's hitting the lesbian scene and it's also you know has implications for women everywhere but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad we can agree to kind of half disagree on that. But mm. I do think I do think that it it raises a lot more questions than which side of the debate you are on or if you're yeah. hovering somewhere around the middle on totally. this polarised horror story that we're living through. At the I think moment. It, I agree. And I also think it's worth saying, because I think we probably in this segment have um, potentially offended quite a lot of lesbians who did go the sperm donor route and who don't did deliberately not tell their children or don't even know who the father is um, biologically and would not want them to refer to as a father even. Mm. Um, You know, well, we have different views on that, but I think that what I think is interesting that a lot of lesbians in the last 20 years did that because it it was so niche and it was so um, unusual. And also there just wasn't really... um, the big fertility setup around it. Um, so you were sort of on your own doing your own thing and um, now they were like almost the forerunners in some ways for the way the world that we're seeing now where there's lots of money involved in fertility and there's IVF for lesbians and there's sperm donor banks for for heterosexual people 
I mean, mm. there always has been, but, you know, it's all becoming much, much bigger and the issues involved are becoming much more thorny. And then we've got a generation of children who are growing up and saying, actually, I did. Some of them are saying I really would have liked to know mm. or want to know mm. um, and can find out now if, you know, now you have to now when you have sperm donation you you're basically signed up to the child knowing yes. when they come to the right age oh, that yeah. wasn't always the case so there is like loads and loads of issues and we know that there's lots of disagreement here so we hope that we haven't um upset anyone who feels differently or has done differently but, um it's all worth talking about another thing that's worth talking about which we did well i did promise our uh listeners and viewers a few weeks ago is that we will bring you a new sexual identity each episode over to you Kathleen. yes and because i am very organized i remembered this and found one so this is the we should probably have a jingle we don't <laughs> sexual identity of the week um, and this, this week we bring you demi demi um, anything else just demi demi that's a sexual identity but i think it also attaches possibly to other words but anyway let's read out the definition demi an umbrella term what else <laughs> is it not an umbrella <laughs> term <laughs> used to describe people good who may only feel sexually or romantically attracted to people also good with whom they have formed an emotional bond so I'll just do that again, because actually it's quite difficult as okay. usual to understand this. An umbrella term used to describe people who may only may only feel sexually or romantically attracted to people with whom they formed an emotional bond. People may also use terms such as gay, bi, lesbian, straight and queer in conjunction with demi, like demi-gay, demi-bi, demi-lesbian, demi-straight and demi-queer to explain the direction of romantic or sexual attraction as they experience it. What about, hang on, what about demi more? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, is that a demi? Know. Is that a demi that has sex outside on the the wilds of? Anyway, <laughs> go on, carry on, Kathleen, because this is fascinating. Is they seem to think that there are people out. It seems to sort of imply that there are other people out there who get romantically attracted to people with whom they haven't formed an emotional bond. Because oh. they that would so is that stalkers? Well, basically? I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, oh, actually, this is outrageous. This is discrimination towards stalkers, <laughs> well, isn't it? That's a, no, that's a sexual identity of its own. Stalker identity, oh, an yeah. umbrella term used to describe people who are only sexually or romantically attracted to people with whom they have not formed an emotional bond. Um, but okay, stalker so I think sexual. Stalker sexual. I think we're all demi. In other we're words, demi. Because honestly, where does it? I mean. Okay, so when I think about the people, largely women, but not all, that I formed an emotional bond with. Well, it's not saying that, no, no, it's not saying that once you formed an emotional bond with people, you must feel sexual towards them. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, all of whom I don't actually, these people I'm thinking of, my friends and family members that I don't feel sexual towards, does that make me demi? No, 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 it doesn't. No. Um, I'm very confused. What makes you demi is is nothing to do with the people with whom you have emotional bonds, but you don't feel sexual to or romantic to. Right. It's the people that you do feel sexually attracted to and romantically attracted to. Um, is your attraction to them 
only possible because you have an emotional bond with them. Okay, so here's a question. Can, what about asexuals and aromantics? Can you be demi-asexual and demi-aromantic? Um, that's a good question. This might be if, for next week. Um, this might be for next week. I'm not sure I know the answer. This is like doing like um an advanced philosophy logic course. I'm like, if then, if P then Q, not Q, therefore not P. But yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> do know. Not, and do not assume if you are Demi that you have formed a romantic one. Oh, I'm, no, no I think everybody's in. Demi except stalkers, basically. Right. Stalkers get sexually... I think, well, actually what I think is that to make this, to give, to be charitable, if you separate off romantic, never mind romantic, and just say sexual. Right. And we're not, so now we're just talking about people you're sexually attracted to. There are people, I assume, they're called women, <laughs> who can only feel sexually attracted to people with whom they form <laughs> an emotional bond. <laughs> and there are people who feel sexually attracted to people they haven't formed an emotional bond, they're called men. Yeah. But, um, and that's me being facetious, obviously. But, you know, there is a such accurate. a thing as like being sexually attracted to someone. You don't have any emotional bond with them. You're just sexually attracted to them. Right. What's confusing is they've added in romantic. And it's really hard for me to understand how you could be romantically attracted to someone and not have an emotional bond with me, with them, not with me. Uh, and, um, and I would say to you, Kathleen, do not assume that just because you feel romantic towards someone, you have formed an emotional well no exactly that's good advice for everyone because otherwise you'd become a stalker basically yes you would you have romantic a stalker sexual a stalker oh, sexual my head is officially done in and i think well, i'm glad we've clarified all that for everybody so you're all demi and remember that you're all asexual um so maybe you are demi asexual and if I you're not say demi report yourself to the police as a stalker because it's not <laughs> exactly. acceptable your behavior we've sorted that out brilliant it's been a bumper week in lesbian world. Oh, gosh, it has. I mean, I feel lesered out. I'm going to have to go and lay down with a damp <laughs> cloth over my head and just read a Mills and Boone or something. Okay. This this has been great as ever and mm -hmm. a good start to the week for me. And yeah, um, looking forward to seeing you next week, Kathleen. Looking forward to seeing you next week. And just a quick reminder to anyone who has not so signed up to the paid version of our Substack. Um, that if you do, you get access to um, all the premium episodes, including our interviews with Lucy Masood and Maria Esposito and other stuff too. So if you're interested, um, please do sign up because we value your subscriptions. They go towards the Lesbian Project, as we've described. And don't forget, if you like us, leave us a review. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. You can review us on any of your pod the podcast app you use. Okay, so have a good week, Julie. See you next. You week. too, Kathleen. Bye. Bye. Bye.